This is a scandal. It's an ecological scandal. It's a health scandal. It's a government scandal. And it's basically a result of sucking up too much oil, living an unsustainable lifestyle. We've got to get the oil out of our veins. Well, in our race around the world, looking for news, odd stories from odd places. Where have you landed now? It's good you say odd places because according to the American ethos, all places but here are odd. Right. Well, of course. Yeah. Well, this is England. I got this from some English uh, newspaper, and it's by this truly guy, odd place. guy named Shane Harris, who mm-hmm. wrote The Watchers, The Rise of America's Surveillance State. But now we're going to talk about England. Nicholas Clegg is the new deputy prime minister of the United Kingdom. That's because they have this now power sharing, right, where the, the conservatives have a coalition government with the liberals. Well, it appears that that both of them are setting, you know, policy, that they're working together. And it's it's quite sweeping. He set the, the bar high for his political reform agenda. In a recent speech, Clegg unveiled what he called a power revolution, a fundamental resettlement of the relationship between the state and the citizen. To kick it off, he took aim at the UK's pervasive security apparatus, a network of thousands of video cameras, a national DNA database, and an aggressive domestic intelligence service. If he makes good on his plans, it will indeed mark a fundamental shift in the constant tension between security and personal liberty, and it could have consequences on this side of the pond, we being this side of the pond. Supporters of enhanced surveillance must offer, he said, a better argument for for why, in that constant tug-of-war between security and liberty, we should come down so heavily on the side of measures that do so little to stop acts of violence. He said, this government is going to transform our our politics so that the state has far less control over you and you have far more control over the state. The government will end the culture of spying on its citizens. It is outrageous. He said it is outrageous that decent, law-abiding people are regularly treated as if they have something to hide. My gosh, Pete, I mean, Americans really like that. They like to be treated as if they have something to hide. For one thing, they've most of them got sidearms in the back of their jeans. Yeah, I mean, exactly. You know. is, is that a sidearm in the back of your jeans, or are you just looking for, for immigrants? I mean, you, you know, we, we think not only... Well, we hide what we have to hide. The English are great eccentrics. You know, they, got, they don't hide what they got, but we hide. Like all these Baptist preachers and evangelicals who are hiding the fact that they're adulterous or homosexual, they hide it. It's part of the fun, it's, or it's certainly part of the ethos of it's America. Part of, this seems to be part of the American culture, to hide who you really are inside uh, the body of, you know, of... of well, during the Second World War, I think they picked the uh, the, the larger bomber, wasn't that the B-27 or 8 or whatever it was? You know, I mean, most guys would like to be just as big as this bomber. Yeah, right. But uh, And then, you know, that only lasted for so long. And uh, Now guys want to be as accurate as that missile. That's but, it. That's but, it. You want to be sharp. Or as stealthy be... as that drone. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we got stuff to hide. And, and one of the reasons is, I think, again, I'm just, this is cheap psychology, but I think we have so much to hide. We have so much that we deny that we just project this onto other people. So now the idea of surveilling everybody, revealing everybody's secrets is, is, is quite attractive. And here comes this guy, Clegg, who's like half the government now saying, no more here, buddy. And, you know, they, they, they have the largest collection of surveillance oh, cameras, there are cameras in the world. Everywhere, 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 12 or 15 of them on every corner. But what's so interesting is that a the conservative party would 
make a move to decrease security, whereas in this country, the Conservative Party are the champions of more surveillance, more security, more cameras, and, and, and have a great support team in the American populace who increasingly doesn't mind what they, we, us have to go through just to, just to get on an airplane, which, you know, uh, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Yeah, I've been a comedian now for 40-some years. Uh, sometimes I think I'm pretty funny. I like to do my own material, etc., etc. But every once in a while, I come across a piece that's so funny, I have to read it in its entirety. And here's one from Bill Maher. The Republican leadership in America must produce their birth certificates. Not because I doubt they're American. I just want to make sure they're not eight years old. I mention this because a major talking point on Fox News and hate radio these days is that after a year and a half of Obama, it's time to bring the adults back into power so they can rein in the deficit, defeat terrorism, and focus on America's real enemy, cleaning ladies in Arizona. But I must protest the premise because conservatives are the ones who tend to believe in magical ideas like America is never wrong, you can defeat terrorism militarily, and lower taxes will somehow fix the deficit. And I'm not even mentioning the stuff about how Jesus used to fly around on a pterodactyl and just hated it when homos ate wedding cake. Now, am I saying there are no adults in today's Republican Party? Absolutely not. There are. But like a lot of parents today, the adults let their kids cow them and silence them and rule over them. Ah, you know, like Rush Limbaugh as a child, a primal scream of a man, but he gets his way because he's the fat bully on the playground. And Glenn Beck is the weepy kid who's always crying because he's insane and you don't know what he's going to do and who he's going to take with him. For example, to solve our debt crisis, a bunch of Republican senators suggested a bipartisan debt commission, which is the adult thing to do. But when Obama agreed to it, immediately seven of them said, no, no, they're against it because Obama has cooties. Democrats have cooties, so they can't vote with them or work with them, and compromise is treason. Compare this to England, where they just had an election two weeks ago, and power changed hands, but the party that lost is working with the party that won. They are not accusing them of being Bolshevik Zulus out to destroy the Magna Carta. Because the English are grown-ups, including their conservatives, who enjoy a wonderful luxury that conservatives on this side of the pond do not. They're allowed to be sane. They don't have to pander to creationists and anti-intellectuals. Only in this dumb country do liberals and conservatives argue over things like evolution and climate change and whether sick people should be left to die in the street. The conservative who won in England, David Cameron, was asked if he's religious. And he said, I don't feel I have a direct line. That's right. He distanced himself from God. If Obama did that, we wouldn't see him again until neighbors called the cops about the smell. Conservatives in England don't care about the three G's, God, guns, and gays, that tilt so many elections in America, and they don't get their policy idea from TV shows like 24. You never hear a Brit say, I'm for torture because it worked on the Avengers. Finally, one hallmark of not being adult is a tendency to exaggerate. Like this week when Newt Gingrich said the Obama administration represents as great a threat to America as Nazi Germany or the Soviet Union once did. Which is basically saying Obama is a billion times worse than any president ever. No, he's infinitely times worse. And it made me think. 
Were we this deranged when Bush was in office? I don't think so. And Bush merited it. We once did a sketch on this show where we sold George Bush screw-up collector plates, which included starting and mismanaging the Iraq War, not catching bin Laden, Katrina, Abu Abu Ghraib, transforming a budgetary surplus into a giant debt, not doing anything about global warming, sitting on his ass on 9-11, outing Valerie Plame, firing federal prosecutors for political reasons, nominating Harriet Myers, Tereshavo, trying to sell the ports to the Arabs. I mean, giant, tangible, horrific screw-ups that Obama could never equal. Although, with the way he's solving the oil spill, he's off to a good start. Well, Dave, you and I grew up with the Cold War. I mean, we that was really cold. It was really cold. I mean, right after World War Two, and then all of a sudden, the Russians have spies that get the A bomb and the H bomb, and it just went on and on and on. And the Russians were just. They were the bad guys. Believe it or not, they were the bad guys. It right? was a very black and white time. Yeah, remember, I, I I led three lives. The story mm, of the guy Herb who was just, Philbrick. Herb Philbrick. Yeah. I was a an FBI man. I was a Russian spy, and I don't even know what the third everyday uh, husband, un, un, unfaithful husband, unfaithful no, husband, and and you know, no, right. he was a good, he was a good guy. He and, was a father knows best, and then he was a spy for both sides. Yeah. Okay. They like that image. So things have changed. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, really? change. Okay. As they always, this is good news. We got this is a good news report. You know, All it's right. interesting. Somebody wrote and said, you know, uh, I love listening to this show, but it's a little dire. Okay. And I wrote back, I said, well, I don't consider Radio Free Oz dire. I consider it urgent. We will back our atomic clock off another couple of ticks with yeah. this one, right? Okay. So, so I told the guy, if you want good radio with wonderful people on it, good production, but with no urgency, listen to NPR. But on Radio Free Oz, we're going to attack whatever has to be attacked. But this is good news. All right. As they always do, Russia's uh, finest infantrymen, that's good, infantrymen, sailors, and airmen strode across Red Square for the annual Victory Day parade, accompanied by a customary display of intimidating weaponry. Tanks rumbled by, planes zoomed overhead, missiles as long as subway cars were towed across the historic cobblestones. But this year, tradition was upended. There. In the shadow of the Kremlin, on ground that had long symbolized Russian might, marched a young soldier from Grand Street in Lower Manhattan, Specialist Tyler Smith, and his fellow Americans. Whoa. Whoa. Well, I certainly remember seeing those uh, missiles as long as, well, long as battleships. They were huge. Well, one of the reasons the they made them so long is that they really didn't have the they didn't have the delivery systems we did. So they made them long enough that they already touched the the, the, the target. You know, <laughs> I think most of them just looked dangerous. To actually tell you the truth, they were the Potemkin um, yeah. missiles, right? Specialist Smith, twenty one year old, was in awe at playing a part in this momentous event. This year, American soldiers were invited to Victory Day, Russia's most important secular holiday, which commemorates the Soviet Union's triumph over Nazi Germany in World War II. Never before has this happened, the American military said. Hmm. And so Special Smith and about 75 others from the 170th Infantry Brigade Combat Team made their way across the square, their American flag waving against the backdrop of the onion domes of St. Basil's Cathedral. In interviews on Red Square, the Americans spoke of their pride in being asked to march and the hope that their presence would help improve relations between the two countries. 
Isn't that something? Uh, that is a real change. But then again, going golfing in South Vietnam is quite a change, too, you know? It is, right, yes. I mean, you can go and, you know, have one of those wonderful sort of tropical resort hotel things, a little island off the coast of Vietnam, you hang out there. There's nobody, you know, there's not like napalm coming down here in the morning, you know? And you now when you say, I'm going down to Vietnam to shoot 18... Nobody gets hurt. There you go. No, no. You end up in Red Square. You got, uh, you know, you actually have a Google map of the inside of the Kremlin. Oh, it was. And the Russians said it was World War II was a common victory. All the people of the former USSR struggled for it. Our allies advanced it. And today, soldiers of Russia, the former Soviet countries and the anti-Hitler coalition marched together triumphantly. Well, I just hope we remember what we fought for in World War II. You know, I look around the Patriot Act, which is neither patriotic nor anything that really does anybody any good, reminds me not of the good old days, but the bad old days. The Patriot Act, right? Yeah, the Patriot Act. You know, last refuge of a lawmaker. 